And it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down. And that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Welcome inside Black and Gold, where all the cool kids hang out. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. Another 2-0 edition as we get ready for week three in Lambeau Field. But we won't have a frozen tundra, luckily, for the black and gold and for Jeff, who will be heading out there Saturday. Yes, it'll be just the tundra, not a a frozen tundra, tundra. a thawed-out grass tundra. So David Bakhtiari will be happy. And yes, we're going to get complaints. You know, I've been getting into people with Twitter, uh, with people on Twitter all, all, all week since the game ended. They're all unhappy that Taysom Hill was used too little, but somehow too much at the same time. They're annoyed that Pete Carmichael has called too many shot plays, but also not enough at the same time. It's fascinating. So, you know, I, I didn't have time to go through a full film re- review this week, but I did get through some of the plays, particularly, you know, those plays, because I was curious, you know, the, the one play in particular that people, I sound like Charles Barkley right there, in particular, uh, <laughs> that that people were annoyed with was a third and two play late in the game where they took a shot play to Rashid Shahid and or, I'm sorry to Chris Olave. And so I looked at it and, to, and I'm going to explain to you why it was the right call, you know, first off. And we're going to get into a little bit more. We talked to Derek Carr yesterday. So he, he talked about that as well. We're going to hear from that. We're going to talk about Taysom Hill. Second segment, we're going to bring in Steve Sparky Pfeiffer from 1250 AM, the fan in Milwaukee. He also hosts Curtin Long, a podcast that I was on yesterday. So if you want to see a cameo from my cat, because she interrupted the recording, go check that out. Um, the video is also on Twitter if you wanted to do that. And then in the final segment, we're going to hear from Deuce McAllister. He had some interesting takeaways on what he expects from Kendra Miller and the blocking in general, because run blocking is going to be a huge question. So we're going to get into all that. But first things first, I want to play you a clip from Derek Carr because people complain, well, well, why don't they run more shot plays? It worked twice. Why didn't they run it three times? Why didn't they run it four times? And it's like, it doesn't work like that. You set them up and you hit them. And sometimes they don't work. And then people complain that they don't work. Anyway, so let, let's hear this clip first. And then, and then we'll, we'll get into, we'll get into uh, some more. But here's that. You know, what's so funny is, you know, we hit Mike on a go ball. You know, we hit uh, Chris on a go ball. And the same question, how come we can't have Rashida? It's like, bro, we just threw two, you know, like they're not going to give you 30 of them. You know, you got to, there's a lot that goes into it and a lot that's set up. You know, we threw a couple quick games, you know, just trying to feed that a little bit, you know, feed it in the third quarter, feed it in a little bit early in the fourth, boom, 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 trying to, trying to just keep just telling them, hey, hey, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's like perfect timing. There's a flow when you're a play caller that you just can't just rush something, right? And I thought he, he caught it at the perfect time, another blitz, right? Pick up. Great job by the offensive line, and it allowed us to hit that shot. So, yeah, I mean, Hail Marys. I mean, we saw the Broncos throw a Hail Mary. We should just do that every time, you know? Like, it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't. But, you know, here, here's the thing. Like, Pete Carmichael, for whatever reason, when the offense doesn't go well, it's easy to blame Pete Carmichael because people are just trained to say, well, bad play call. It didn't work, so it's a bad play call. I, I have to tell you, you know, going through that film and kind of like you dissect the decision making and you look at a lot of the motion, a lot of what this t- offense has done. Pete Carmichael has called two 
very good football games. Were they perfect? No, they're never going to be perfect. But like when you look at what was happening last year and a lot of the complaints, the only complaint I still have is there's no screen passes or there's not enough. But I want those screens to go to Alvin anyway. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's hard to complain too much that he's not throwing enough screen passes to Jamal Williams. They have tried. They haven't worked. And so like before we go into anything else, I need people to understand like Pete Carmichael is not the reason this offense has struggled. It's the protection and it's the execution. Um, and like, guys, I, it, it's easy. he's an easy punching bag because he's just this quiet ho-hum fellow who's been around forever and says, I think this a lot. But he's called two very good games. I, I need people to understand that. Well, I think this, I think Saints fans are spoiled, obviously, <laughs> from those heydays with, you know, Drew Brees, Sean Payton, when, when the offense was really humming and going along and they were putting up 28, 30, 35 points easily right. a game. And it's just not like that right now. Obviously, we've seen this is a strong defensive ball club. But to your point with the play calling, it is amazing how many at home, you know, coordinators there are. Uh, I think that the yeah the, the offensive struggles uh, early on that we've seen definitely the offensive line has been the biggest issue to me. Not anything that uh, in what Pete Carmichael is trying to do. Yeah, and so this is the play. I'm gonna I'm gonna slow it down to to point seven five and uh, play it through here. And so this is a play specifically. I had multiple people bring this play up to me on YouTube, on Twitter, and they said third and two at the Panthers 40-yard line, give or take. And they might have been the 42. The Saints are up 13 to six here. And they're like, why didn't you just go back and run Taysom? Well, you know, you, you could have run Taysom here. That's an option. Taysom had been effective in this game, sure. But the the question is, you know, was it a good play call? And what I need people to understand is like this is prime shot play territory when you are in short yardage and you know they're going to bring a blitz and you can max protect you can have enough blockers to pick up their blitzers and so i'm going to show you right here on the on the end zone view look so you have seven guys who are going to stay in six and a half if you count juan johnson he's going to chip number 50 on the left side to help out trevor penning and then he's going to leak out but so you have six guys blocking six guys. You have the numbers advantage and you have Trevor Penning getting help from Jawan Johnson. When you are a play caller and you max protect against a heavy blitz, against a six-man pressure, you won. That's what you want. That's the point of max protecting. If they blitz and you pick it up, big win for the offense. That means that you called the right play at the right time. What you don't want to do is put Taysom Hill in there. And so not only are they rushing six, they're rushing seven. They know exactly what you're going to do. Because it, it, here's the thing. If you put in Taysom Hill, the right play would be for Taysom Hill to throw. And so are you putting Taysom Hill in there just to throw this same route that that Derek Carr was unable to throw to uh, to, to Chris Olave? No. So so first, first of all, like it's the right call. You know, you could say you could be a little more conservative. Maybe you try to pound it down their throat. But we saw in the first half, the Saints tried to run Taysom Hill on the goal line, and the Panthers picked it up. The Panthers' strength is their front. And now you look at what this does to the defense, right? So there is one safety back. You have six men coming. It's one. It's man-to-man -man across the board. The safety 
in the back, you can see he's opened up to Michael Thomas's side. You have Michael Thomas running a go. You have Chris Olave running a seven. So he's going to the corner. So he's putting this safety in conflict. And that's what you want to do against the middle closed look, which is what this is. You put the safety in conflict. You force him to either cover one or none. He can sit in the middle of the field and lose leverage on both, or he can cheat over to one side. And what he's doing is he's opened up to Mike Thomas' side so he can try to make it over there. And he's cheating toward Chris Olave's side. Well, He's not flipping his hips and getting to Chris Olave if the ball goes there. The issue is Derek Carr doesn't have an ounce of time to throw the ball. And if you want to make a criticism, it's that, well, they hadn't been protecting well all game. So why would you assume they could protect here? And fine. But I'm not, if I'm a play caller, I am, I am trusting my guys. And, you know, maybe that's his fault is that he trusted the protection to hold up. And it didn't. And you can see, like, when does Derek Carr throw this ball? He doesn't have time. It's a slow developing route. And there's pressure immediately. He tries to step up. If he has time to throw it, and we'll see it again from the sideline angle, if he has time to throw it, Chris Olave, watch, watch Chris Olave at the top. He breaks in. He has that inside stem. He goes outside. He's got a step. He's open. If Derek Carr has any time to throw this ball, he's probably walking into the end zone and you ice that game one drive earlier. People complained. It's like, well, the Panthers got the ball back and they scored on the next drive. Well, it's not... Pete Carmichael's fault that Lou Headley boomed that ball into the end zone in prime position to pin them inside the five, right? Like that's, that's the, that's what you're hoping for. It's like worst case scenario, we get to punt from the 50 and they should have, you know, the ball inside the 20 minimum, hopefully inside the 10, he booms into the end zone. They go down and they kick a field goal and the saints come back. And here's the thing. The part of it that annoys the heck out of me is the next drive. You know what the saints did in virtually the same part of the field? A second and 12, which is not a deep shot down, which is a down that you're, they're expecting you to run on and try to make it a third and manageable. They ran a double move to Chris Olave. That time, the protection held up. And I don't hear anyone complaining about that play, right? So if your only criticism of the play call is that it didn't work, then you're doing it wrong because the right play call isn't bad because it fails, right? Like you can call a perfect play and if the execution does not happen the way it didn't on this play, that doesn't mean it was the wrong play call. That means the execution it worked. So, like, again, it, it's like it, you could have, yes, you, I had someone say, well, they could have put Rashid in motion and then take the linebacker with him and whatever. Yeah, but <laughs> it's like that's not a guarantee of success either. So I like the aggressive play calling, and this is the exact type of play calling that has allowed the Saints to put the game away on offense. Third and six against the Titans in a situation where the conservative route would have been run it, force them to use that timeout. They send Rashid on and go, and they hit him, and they put that game away. In this game, second and 12, the conservative route would have been, okay, make this third and manageable. Instead, they run a double move and hit Rashid, put the game away effectively. They scored to go up 10. The Panthers did come down and score a touchdown, but it was too little too late. So, like, I, like this, you, if your criticism is based on the success of the play and not the context and whether it was the right idea at the time, then you're not evaluating the play calling. You're just finding a familiar punching bag in Pete Carmichael. And, but the funniest part is that I also have people telling me they ran Taysom Hill too much and it took Derek, David Carr out of rhythm, the guy who threw 36 passes on the game. It's just, it's just so funny to me. Anyway, that, that play I thought was funny because I think this is a, the exact right play call. And what, the issue isn't Pete Carmichael. The issue is seven blockers could not handle six rushers. Right, and the issue there wasn't the fact that David Carr Derek Carr was out of rhythm. It was the fact that the offensive line just didn't hold up kind of thing. And I, I like the aggressive nature, too, just because yeah. you, you had seen this Panthers offense not being able to do anything 
against the Saints defense had really dominated that game. So, yeah, be aggressive, throw your shot down the field, hopefully, you know, get a completion. If not, you punt it, hopefully, you know, you, you end up with the better field position and force them to drive uh, longer down the field. That that part didn't work out. And, and you're and, up yeah, seven, and you haven't allowed a touchdown on this season yet. Yeah, and then, <laughs> right. that, that's something we mentioned, though, too, with, you know, Headley has to be better. That was one of our guys that was down in the three-up, three-down segment we did the last podcast. Yeah, and, and like situationally, to me, it's it's different if you were at the 32 and you are in field goal range, and if you run that Taysom Hill play and it doesn't work and you lose a yard or two, you're kicking the field goal anyway. Here, you're punting if you don't get that. You know, even on even if you the people are like, well, you could run four down territory. We've seen that we know how this Saints team operates. They're not going for it. Up seven. You know, analytics would probably tell you yes. And I think this team is not analytically inclined enough on offense. I agree with that. But I don't think the Saints are punt are are going for it on fourth and two at the Panthers 42. Again, knowing that you are up seven and your defense has not allowed a touchdown yet on the season. Like you're gonna trust your defense there. So if, if you're in field goal range and you can get it, then and, and you're risking a sack that would might knock you out of field goal range, then sure. In this case, a sack just puts you further out of field goal range. So like you're not kicking it from the 42 or the 41. You know, that's just not happening. You're not giving Blake Groupie a 60-yard attempt in this situation and risking giving them the ball back in prime field position when the only thing you can do wrong is not allow your top defense to, to close out this game for you. So, yeah, I, I just think I was very critical of Pete Carmichael in the play calling last year. I think that he hit all the right notes in this game. They've made really good adjustments. The protection has improved throughout the course of the game. They've been more effective in the second half. Derek Carr has been better. So, like... There are things to complain about with this offense and how it's been operating. I think James Hurst, we've, there's a serious conversation that needs to be had about putting Andrews Pete back in that starting role because I think the him starting a guard has has not been, you know, I'm more worried about his, James Hurst at guard right now than I am at Trevor with Trevor Penning at left tackle. And so, like, stuff like that, like, yeah, that's fair game to me. Uh, but the play calling, I have no issue with. No, and I think right now a big concern or an issue has just been the running back rotation, the depth there, just because of suspensions and injuries. Now it's going to be interesting going into this week. Obviously, hopefully Miller makes his you know debut. We get to see him in Lambeau. All things look on track for that. And then the combination with Tony Jones Jr., but still a guy. Uh, he's been around the block, and he's been here a little and knows the whole routine, but not someone that's been with the team this entire offseason either. No, and I agree with that. And we're going to get more into Kendra and Tony in the, in the last segment. So let's focus more on Taysom Hill in the run game right now because he's obviously, yeah. you know, he might be a bigger part of the run game than I do those guys. <laughs> uh, and he and he was in this game, right? He had 75 yards on nine carries. Not all of them were from the quarterback position. He got a toss. He took at least one handoff from Derek Carr. And that's just situations that he's not necessarily used to. And I think that's why well, you're tossing him the ball. Like that, right? right. Deuce mentioned this on the broadcast. One of the reasons you toss him the ball is because that's how he's used to receiving the ball. He's not used to taking the handoff. He's not. He's used to having the ball at the mesh point, not receiving the ball at the mesh point. And I think that's something that you don't want to risk in the course of a game and, and have a terrible fumble because it's just something he's not used to do. So instead, what do you do? Toss him the ball. That's just how he's used to receiving it. But you know, one thing I asked Derek Carr about, because I'm curious and people have been telling me he's been out of rhythm, is you know he's probably never come off the field that many times in his life. Not in high school, not in college, definitely not with the Raiders, although... They did use Marcus Mariota in some ways right. as as the, the that guy, but not you know maybe 
he didn't have nine snaps all season that he came off for with Mariota. He had nine snaps in this game that he came off with for Taysom Hill. But I did, I did want to get his, uh, his answer on that. So uh, here, here's what he had to say. That, is that an adjustment? That seems like something that probably haven't done a lot throughout your career is come out during a series, come back on. Yeah. Well, I knew coming here that that was a part of it, yeah. you know. And, you know, we talked about that from the get-go. I was like, that, that has been a complete advantage here when Drew was here. That was such an advantage to have an extra hat in the run game with your quarterback running the ball the way that he can. You know, he's a powerful, speedy runner, you know. And, and I knew that coming in. And so that wasn't like... I guess my mindset was already made up, you know, back then, you know, that I knew that that was part of it. Um, and I'm great with it because it helps the team win. He's unbelievable. You know, I think we all know that, you know, and especially when Jamal goes down, you know, that that part of the game obviously elevates because during the game we have one running back left, you know, so he has to play. He's our second you know, runner at that point. And so uh, that that part of it, you know, it happened to you know take off more for certain reasons. And. Uh, he's a guy that can go in there. He's he started games at quarterback. He's played running back. He's played receiver. He's played the slot. He's played tight end. He's played a, played F tight end. He's played the wing. You know he plays fullback. He plays specialty. You know it's it's really unbelievable what he's able to do. So coming in, I knew you know what what he was capable of. And I like I said, I've always said, man, I came here to win. And if that's helping us win, that keep keep doing it. I think in the past, Jason has told us that he was not allowed to throw the ball to Drew under any circumstances. Is that, does that rule apply to you, too? No, I keep talking to him. I keep talking to him. You saw me down there on the goal line, huh? You know, uh, you know it, that was totally not planned. Uh, I don't think the run was supposed to come to me. Uh, but I was like, I'm, I'm telling him, like, I'm, I'm ready at all times. We used to have one with the Raiders, uh, like, in practice, where Marcus would throw it to me in practice in group. They'd be like, don't you throw it to him, you know? Uh, but I, I'm always in Taysom's ear. I'm like, bro, I promise you – you give me the opportunity, I'm going to catch the ball. And so I don't think he's being told behind the scenes to throw it to me, but we'll see. Does that sound like a guy who's worried about coming off the field for, for nine snaps? Because it doesn't no, it sounds like a guy like just like Drew Brees. I don't care whatever it takes. I just want to win. And this is this gives us that opportunity, that advantage. I'm all about it. Right. And, and like uh, I was talking to Sparky about this uh, on his podcast and he's like, that's weird. I don't know how many teams would take their quarterback off the field. And isn't that an issue? And it's like, yeah, but what, are you really losing anything from the quarterback coming out on plays that he's going to be handing the ball off anyway? Like, right. What's that rhythm you're looking for? It, you know, and, and sure, maybe he goes in and he checks it to a pass at the line. And he throws it again. Derek Carr threw the ball 36 times in this game in a low scoring game, a game where they didn't run great offense in the first half and they they weren't effective and he said they were he and Rashid and the, the receivers were moving a little too fast so like he's not worried about that rhythm but I did think it was funny so like I I asked Taysom I want to say it was 2020 it was a zoom interview uh it was after the Bucks game where they just beat the bricks off him and I was like you know I saw you pump fake to Drew and I was like is that even like a possibility that you could ever throw him a ball and he was like no <laughs> they told me explicitly that I am not allowed to throw Drew the ball. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe maybe that's not true anymore. We saw, you know, in, in the week one, they didn't run any plays where Derek stayed on the field, right? They they were all Taysom with, with 10 yeah. players who could block. And in this game, they did have a couple where Derek stayed on the field. And, and you ask, well, what's the point if the whole idea is you get an extra blocker? Well, those are the misdirection plays. Those are the plays where you want to catch them in the wrong personnel because Derek's on the field. So you can't run this heavy personnel out there and say, well, we're 90% sure he's going to run it anyway. So if he beats us with his arm, whatever. 
when he's in the personnel, but there's also a quarterback, that means that they have to at least account for the fact that maybe he lines up at wide receiver. Maybe he's a tight end. Maybe, you know, like, so it, it forces them to be a little bit lighter in the box. And I doubt that it's going to be something they run unless it's like, you know, a very specific opportunity where it makes sense. But if you see teams just completely ignoring Derek Carr over there, and all it is is a pitch and catch to the end zone with him standing by himself, why the heck not, right? You got to be careful because I don't want him taking hits. But if you get to a point where a team is just ignoring him completely and you're in the red zone, I could see it happen. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it could be something like a Philly special kind of type of play kind of thing. I could see, you know, Carr in the end zone, but definitely nothing where he's going to have to get yak after the the catch to you know to sprint in. <laughs> right. The, the the Bucks ran a play like that in Germany last year, and Tom Brady slipped and fell, and it was like, but it was like he is they're at the forty yard line. <laughs> like it was like what, what's the best case scenario here, guys? That is a dumb thing to do, Byron. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, I don't expect that there's not going to be a situation where he needs to run at five, even 10 yards. He needs to be in the end zone when he catches the ball. And if not, there's no way, but, um, anyway, I, I do think it's funny that Derek is, uh, he, he, he wants it. He wants it bad. Yeah. I don't know if he has ever caught a ball in his career. I know beforehand drew drew had in San Diego though, slash Los Angeles, but it was San Diego, obviously at the time when drew was there. Breeze never caught a ball though when he was with the Saints. If if Derek has caught a pass, it is a it was a play where the ball but got batted and he threw and com- and caught the pass. Right, that's the only way I can imagine him catching a pass. Uh, but like C.J. Stroud, his first career NFL pass or completion was to himself, uh, which is a which is kind of funny. That'll be a fun trivia note someday. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, that's that's all I had uh, on on Taysom and and the offense in general. I just think. Again, I, I like the way it's operated. And you're, you're get, you have to understand, there's a lot of things working against this offense right now. You don't have Alvin Kamara. The pass Huge. protection has not been good. And you, like I have people who's like, well, the, the execution is on the, is on the offensive coordinator too. And it's like, sure, maybe you could say that, but not the play calling. The play calling has nothing to do with the execution. The play calling is, you know, uh, it, you can't play scared. You can't call plays scared. And I think that's what they were doing last year. And if, if the alternative to that is you maybe get a little too aggressive at points, I'm fine with that. I am fine with that because you have the weapons to do it. You know, like, and, and the protection, Pete Carmichael never played offensive line. He's not out there coaching up James Hurst on his footwork. You know, that's Doug Marone. And, I, you know, I have some criticism for Doug Marone. Like, this offensive line's got to be better. And he's supposed you know, he's a guy who's been here for two years now. It, it can't be like this. So hopefully that does improve. And uh, you can get there. But again, it's like if you if all you're doing is using Pete Carmichael as a punching bag, I think you're wrong. Well, at least it wasn't Saints fans or any of the who that nation that, that had the horrible take that I feel like our, our fellow Odyssey podcaster, Elliot Shore Parks, had on Taysom Hill. That was just I saw get that. Tweet, I'm like, here. is that for real? It's so lame. It's like, come on, act like you you understand anything that's going on. I, like Sparky makes a good point uh, in that, like. If you know, if you cut Taysom Hill, who who would actually go sign him? And the answer is the Broncos. But absolutely, you know, that's only because of Sean Payton. And and yes, it, it is. It's a part of the offense that does not get replicated elsewhere. But that's what makes it effective, because teams aren't used to seeing it, right? Like contrarian offense works. 
Um, and you know, it's not going to work every game. And that's where I think if you, if you are hammering him into a wall, when you know, they're stacking the line, when you know, they are coming at you with everybody, like they were on that third and two play, and you're still running Taysom Hill into that, then you are giving into the gimmick of it all. And you're saying, no, this just works against everything. But when you're using it in a way that's like, yeah, they aren't playing in a way that's going to stop this. Let me show you a couple screen grabs before before we go. So one of the reasons it worked, one of the reasons the Taysom Hill plays work so effectively, it's not necessarily because it's in, it's unstoppable. It's because the Panthers were playing in a way that they could not stop it. Look at this. Look at this screen grab. Hmm. You see why this play worked? Because the Panthers are saying, here, Taysom, they put a, they put a sign oh, in their front yard that said, free eight yards. And the <laughs> first person who wants it, take it, right? And it's like, yeah, if you're going to play like this and you're not going to stack the line, yeah, that's for free eight yards. I'm taking it. And then if he breaks a tackle, who knows? Again, this is that was his first carry in the game. Here's another one. You, you, is it really that complicated why this play worked? As long as the blocking holds up, which it does, uh, you know, that's, again, a free eight yards. If they have three linebackers standing there like, okay, let's see what you can do. It's a different scenario. It's not like he's in there breaking tackles against a nine-man front. And if that's what you're facing and you're still running it, that's a bad play call. Because what you should do in that situation is max protect, have enough blockers to block all of the rushers, and then give Chris Olave, Rashid Shaheed, Michael Thomas a chance downfield. That's what P. Carmichael has been doing. It's been working. So anyway, this is a long segment. I don't I didn't need to get too deep into this, but uh, like it's it's just funny to me. It's like there's always these kind of low hanging fruit complaints about how the offense is operating. And, you know, when a guy is ex- like, I think he P. Carmichael did have to get better this year. And the things he's been doing thus far, I think, are directly, you know, correlated to better offense. And when the Saints have their pieces, when they have Alvin, uh, when the offensive line hopefully gets its act together, I think this, this often I'm excited about it. I I definitely rather have Taysom Hill as my change of pace quarterback than Andy Dalton. (laughs) I said last podcast, I don't know what the Panthers were doing. They put Andy Dalton in there and like everyone in the world's like, he's going to sneak it. And he tosses it to Miles Sanders. What the hell are you doing? Um, Anyway. Yeah. So let's let's wrap that segment up. We went long on it. We're going to come back. We're going to talk more about the Packers. I promise Uh, we're going to bring in Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. He's, you know, covers the Packers up in Milwaukee. He's going to break down what to expect. You know what? What's going on with the Packers? It's a good, you know, they're in the situation that the Saints were in a couple years ago trying to replace a, you know, I want to say an MVP, but Drew never won the MVP, but they're trying to replace an MVP in Aaron Rodgers uh, and Jordan Love looks pretty good thus far. So he's going to break that down for us. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. If you haven't subscribed, why not? Go ahead and do that. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Hit us up on YouTube as well at WWL Sports. Check out WWL.com for the latest content. Otherwise, stick the heck around. What else are you doing? Thank you.